Hope you are uh, staying healthy in your home. There's a lot of sickness going around. I know in our family, uh, my wife had the flu, my son, my daughter. I've just been drinking lots of emergency, trying not to breathe too much, you know what I'm saying? I'm kind of like, right, you know, I've been sick, but not like the full flu, just kind of hanging around, just, you know, trying not to descend into darkness, so to speak. But uh, hope you're doing well. If you're visiting with us, really grateful that you're here. Uh, the title of the lesson, as Marco mentioned, is Are You Online? We're doing this worship series called Global Network, Are You Online? Uh, you know, I remember feeling like I was missing out on something big because... Um, my, my friend George Sowards, who was my co-worker, we both sold computers, and uh, he was telling me how he'd gotten this computer, and he was online, and he was surfing the web, and he was telling me about this, you know, his browser and, and finding this stuff, articles and stuff, and being like, what's a browser? And, and what, what does that mean to be online? You know, I remember that. You guys remember that? Some of you guys are old. You remember that? <laughs> You know, I remember finally I got my first computer. This is probably like 1996 or so, 95. I got my first computer, and I got my little uh, companion AOL disc. Remember that? It's like, first it was the 20 hours free, and then it's like 40 hours free, and then it's like 80 hours free. It's like, wow, awesome. And I got, how many of you guys remember this sound? Let me play this for you. Remember that sound? The worst sound known to mankind. I don't know why it had to sound so bad. But I remember my dial-up modem. You know, and you go to a web page and then it's like... Kind of gradually loads. And now it's so funny. I mean, my, my daughter's eight, but I mean, when she was six years old, I remember we'd go somewhere and she'd be like, Excuse me, Dad, what's the Wi-Fi login password? Oh my gosh, you know? It's a different world now than, than the old days of, you've got mail. <laughs> you've got mail. Uh, are you online? We've all had that feeling of, of kind of like missing out. What's going on? Explain this to me. Um, I want to get online. I want to get up to speed. I want to be in the know. And there are spiritual things that it's important to be in the know about. There are spiritual truths that they're true whether you believe them or not, or whether you know about them or not. You know what I mean? And so it's really important that you get online with, with what we believe is the spiritual truth and what in our church we feel like God has revealed to us. And so we, wanna, we want you to, to know more about, about some of these spiritual truths. And we're going to look at a story of a guy who uh, learned how to get online spiritually. And uh, we're going to be looking at Acts 8. So if you go ahead and turn over there with me to Acts 8. Uh, we're doing this worship series uh, called Global Network. Sounds very techish, but uh, really the idea is uh, celebrating the, the, the fact that Christianity is not an American religion. In fact, it didn't even start in America. It is a global faith. And what's so cool about our church, I love it, is that we are a part of a fellowship of churches that are all around the world. Hundreds of churches. In fact, there are more of our churches outside the United States than in the United States. And that's why we're known as the International Church of Christ. And uh, 
it's, it, it was so cool, those of you who are around in the 90s, seeing these churches being planted all over the world. And, and it became this network. And we, we talked about that last week, if you were here last week, our mission service. In this church, we financially support churches in Middle East and in uh, Mexico and Central America. And so we hear a lot about those churches. But it, it's so cool that there's churches all over the world, hundreds of churches, and we're a part of a global fellowship. So we're trying to really impact the South Bay community. We're the South Bay Church, but we're also part of a global network. And it's, it's so great uh, just to, to, to see that. And uh, I remember being at the, the, the missions conference. We had a conference this last summer where we uh, just invited whoever wanted to come from the whole world to this conference, you know, from our churches. And we didn't know if there was going to be 5,000 people there, 7,000 people. I went out there a couple of times trying to set things up. It was in San Antonio. And we were so encouraged as over 16,000 people came. And one of the highlights was as all these countries came in. Here's a little quick clip of that. You know, the people come in with their flags and thousands of people from all these other nations coming in and dancing. I don't, for those of you who were there, wasn't that so moving? I mean, I was just crying and crying just because I remember seeing the mission teams going out and, and, and giving a special contribution and, and just praying for these people. It was so, so encouraging seeing that happening. I'll go ahead and turn over to uh, Acts 8. And uh, again, we're going to look at a story here of a guy who got online. Let's pray real quick here before we jump in to the text. God, thank you for uh, who you are. Thank you as we sang that you are greater, you are stronger. Uh, Father, that we can put all of our confidence in you. And uh, thank you that you are a God who cares for each one of us as individuals. Even though you created the cosmos and all of uh, your, your eternal and, and you're bigger than we can imagine, thank you that you care about each one of our individual needs. And you know every heart here, and you know every mind and every story. And uh, I pray that each one of us can get online with your plan for us uh, this morning as we look into your word. And pray that you would speak to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 8. We're going to uh, stay in this text here for, for the sermon here. And um, just kind of uh, dig, dig into it a little bit. So it says here in verse 8, uh, verse 1 of chapter 8, and Saul approved of their killing him. That's a story in chapter 7 you'll have to catch up with. story of Stephen. But it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and those who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. So what's going on here is the church, Jesus has come, he's had his earthly ministry, he trained his twelve apostles, there was a a few hundred people uh, that were part of his movement, and then... God really worked, the Spirit worked, and, and it became thousands. And then uh, there was some persecution that happened. And uh, Stephen was a, a godly man, one of, the, one of the, uh, the early disciples. He was killed by religious people. It, the persecution didn't come from uh, you know, the, the, the worldly people out there. It came from the religious establishment. And they killed Stephen, and Saul was there as part of that. And on that day, kind of, it sort of fueled a fire. And so this great persecution broke out. And so at the beginning of Acts, there's all these Jews that came from all, all these other countries and they all came to Jerusalem for this festival. 
They became Christians there. They stayed there. They built the early church. But then when this persecution happened, it was kind of like they, they, had to, they got kicked out of Jerusalem. So they had to go back to their own countries and their own places, and they, they were scattered, it says here. But when they were scattered, what did they do? Did they be quiet? No, they preached the word everywhere they went. I appreciate the singles going out yesterday and sharing their faith. And that's what these early Christians were like. They're like, the persecution kind of uh, fueled their, their, their spirit a little bit. And they, they shared their faith even more powerfully. And God worked because through that, He spread the church from Jerusalem to then the surrounding cities and the surrounding countrysides. And, and so people start becoming Christians and, and it starts spreading. So there's this battle going on between uh, the forces fighting against the church and then the, the forces for good within the church. And so something that is of Satan, which is you know persecution and, and trying to hurt the church, God uses to spread the church. And so there's this, there's this struggle going on. And the first thing I want to talk about here from Acts 8 is global network. And, and that is that there is a, something big going on. There, there's a broader narrative than you and I. There's a big struggle between good and evil. And that was the case here. There was a big struggle going on. And these disciples, these early Christians, they were caught up in the middle of it. And God used even the, the hardships they were going through to make something amazing happen. And that was the church spreading and the gospel spreading. And, and, and it's, the, you know, it's the same for us today in that we are in a spiritual war. And there are ups and there are downs in, in our individual lives and with our church collectively. And yet God is working through all of that. I mean, don't you want to be a part of something that's bigger than just you and your own little life? You know, and so it's encouraging to know that there is a global network. There's a global plan. There's something bigger going on. It's just a matter of whether we're aware of it or not. You know, we all want, we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And uh, one of my favorite movies, and, and, and uh, it might be a little violent for some people, but it's, it's the, the Matrix, the original Matrix. And I just love it so much because of the, the spiritual parallels. So I want to show a scene from that movie where, um, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to understand. I remember being in the theater for this part and being like, whoa, my mind being blown a little bit. And so I just want to show you this scene and then we'll, we'll talk about how it ties into what we're talking about. Good stuff, isn't it? You know, there is such a... A, a spiritual parallel to that in that there is a spiritual reality, that the world is in darkness, that people are in slavery, and some, sometimes not even knowing it. But the, the Bible says they're enslaved to their own sin, that we, we end up in bondage in this world. We end up enslaved to sin. And we need someone, we need a solution to be set free. And whether you're aware of the matrix or not aware of the matrix, it still is the truth and it's everywhere. And so in, in the first century, that, that was the whole point of Jesus' ministry was to set people free from their sin, set people free from bodies. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I came to release the oppressed. I, claim, I came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came to bring good news that we could be set free. And so that's the gospel. That's the good, gospel means good news. That's the good news that was spreading in these areas that we're reading about here. And, and, and it was starting to spread. This global network was starting to spread. And it happened one by one. You know, he said, you, you, can't, I can't, you can't just be told what the matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. And that's the way that spiritual awakening happens. You have to experience it. One by one and soul by soul. And then that's the way that the whole world 
is changed. Number two, the Spirit makes connections. Let's continue reading down a little bit farther here in verse 26. So it talks about the, the ministry in Samaria. Philip is an important part of that. And then it says in verse 26, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means Queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to, gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophets. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. So, and we'll get into that in a minute here. But it's cool how the, the Spirit made the connection. The Spirit told Philip, hey, go to this road. And then he goes there and then there's this important official and his whole entourage heading down this road. And, and he had made a long journey. It's 1,200 plus miles from uh, Ethiopia up to Jerusalem. And he had gone there to, to worship God. And um, uh, the, the, uh, Philip goes near the chariot and he hears him reading the Bible, you know, reading the Old Testament. And so the Spirit tells him, go stay, stand near that. And then he asks him a question. They get involved. But the Spirit was working behind the scenes. Philip was just a tool of the Spirit and what the Spirit was doing. And that's still the way the Spirit works today. People that uh, are searching for God, the Spirit works to get them connected to God and His purpose. And I appreciate Nicole sharing really vulnerably about her life. Didn't she do a great job of sharing with us? And uh, really appreciate, you know, it's hard to get up and talk about your own garbage but, uh, but we all have that story. You know, those of us who are in the church, it, it wasn't so much the people that God used to connect us to Him. It was Him. It was Him working through them. In fact, you know, the, the, just even a show of hands here in the audience, how many of you were praying to God, you know, show me or help me or teach me, or show, you know, when, when, when God worked to connect you? I mean, look around the room. That's the Spirit. The Spirit makes connections. And so those of us who are a part of God's plan. We've, 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 we've seen uh, who God is and what He has to offer and we've become followers of Jesus. We've got to be spiritually in tune for those around us who God could be working for us to connect to. And if you're a guest today, you know, I really believe God wants you here. You are here. So what does God want you to hear? I really believe the Spirit is working to connect you to Him and what He's trying to do. Because uh, we all feel this need to connect to God. I mean, whether you're aware of his, his Word or not, whether you're aware of what, what the Bible says, we all feel that need to connect to God, to connect to something greater than ourselves. I mean, I think that's why people uh, get into nature, or go out to the country, or they, they, they get away. You know, nobody says, oh, I want to get away from it all, so I'm going to go downtown. You know? They, they go out to creation. Why? Because they want to feel that connection to God, whether they know it or not. Uh, there's this um, woman, her real name was Mildred Lizette Norman, but for 28 years she, she just went by the name Peace Pilgrim. And I was, there's a radio program that I podcast called This American Life, and uh, I, I heard this this week about this guy, Daryl Watson. He was inspired. He heard this woman's story. 
for 28 years, she did nothing but walk across America with this shirt that said, Peace Pilgrim. She had no possessions, she had no money, and she only, she just survived on whatever people gave her. Uh, if somebody gave her a place to stay, then she stayed. If somebody gave her food to eat, then she ate. But she just, she, she, she saved nothing, she carried nothing, she just walked across the country for 28 years. She walked 75,000 miles in that time. And so this guy, uh, Daryl Watson, he got inspired, and so he, he uh, decided he wanted to try this. And so he, uh, he was a talented playwright working in New York City. In 2009, Elna, that's the woman who, who did this story, got a mass email from him explaining how he was going to walk across the country in the name of peace and that he was changing his name to Peace Pilgrim. He planned to spend six months walking in hopes that he'd figure out his purpose in life. He gave away everything he owned, all his money, and set off from Delaware. And, 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 and you know, you listen to the story. She, she hooked up with him later, and she asked him to tell the story. And he did. He got, got rid of everything. You know, he sent this mass email and then left his computer, uh, told the, told the uh, landlord to, to give it to charity. He had about $2,000. He, he gave that away. He, he looked, the first thing he did was look for somewhere to, to give that to and gave that away. Had nothing, just his shirt that he spray-painted and said, Peace Pilgrim on it. And he, why did he do this? Because he said he wanted a connection to God. He wanted to know what his purpose was. And so he wanted to figure it out. Don't we all feel that? Like, we want to feel like our life has a meaning. And we know it's not our stuff. You know, sometimes we try for that to be our stuff, but we know it's not. It doesn't really fill us up. And so there's something inspiring about that idea of just cutting ties with everything and just trying to... To, to, to find meaning, trying to find purpose, trying to have God, you know, speak to us somehow. That's what Daryl was hoping to get. You know how long he lasted? Three days. I mean, he was cold, he was hungry, it was hard, it, it was not at all like he thought it would. And it, it was rough. He had a really hard time. And uh, it's funny to hear him tell the story, and he and this woman, Elna, kind of laugh about it and stuff. And Part of the problem might have been that, you look at her, she's kind of this... Nice little old lady. Daryl was like a younger, tall black guy. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I don't know if, it, if that has anything to do with it, but I'm sure it didn't help me, you know, like the way I look. And uh, so he, he had a rough time. But, but it, it was moving to me that, that he was willing to try something. And, and we all feel that, I think, that desire to connect, that desire to, to find out what our purpose in life is. And it starts with worship. It starts with worshiping God, this Ethiopian... He goes all the way to Jerusalem, you know, thousands of miles, so that he can be with God, so that he can try to make that connection. But he still doesn't have it figured out. So then on his way back, he's reading this, this Old Testament text. It was a, a text that was written 700 years before Jesus. And he's reading it, and he's trying to figure out what does this mean, but he doesn't know what it means. And I like to imagine that maybe he even prayed a prayer to God. God, show me. I don't, think, I don't understand this. And then it's so cool how the Spirit worked. There's Philip. And, he, and he's right there to explain it to him. And it, it's, he's reading the very passage of Scripture that talks about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And so wherever you are, I really believe the Spirit is trying to work to connect you. You might not even know. Like my wife, Dessa, she, uh, she, you know, she was in college. Life is fine. She's doing well in school. She's getting great grades. She's having fun. Uh, she, she, some of her friends from, from high school 
they, they play racquetball regularly, and they start going to this Bible study. So she wants to play racquetball with them. They say, okay, we're going to play racquetball, but first we're going to go to this Bible study. So we've got to go there first on our way. So she goes, okay, I'll go along with you. So she ends up going to Bible study, and then another time, then another time. But she didn't even, it wasn't like she even felt this, oh God, I, my life is so miserable, I just need you right now. You know what I mean? She's just kind of going through life. But then as she finds out who God is, and finds out what His Word is all about, then she discovers the real truth. And I'm so grateful because this year we'll celebrate 20 years of marriage, this, this, uh, this month, March 20th. And uh, I'm so glad the Spirit connected her to His will. I mean, my life would be so different if she'd never become a Christian. And uh, God, who knows what God has in store for you. Vis- you know, if you're visiting with us, you are here. What does God want you to hear from, from, his, lesson, from his message? Uh, next point, word with friends. Word with friends. We've all heard of words with friends. We're going to talk about word with friends. If you look here in verse 31, How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. You know, Philip asks questions. I appreciate that he's willing to, to just step in and kind of step into this guy's life, asking him a question, Hey, do you understand what, you, what you're reading? And a lot of times, for those of us who are, are part of the church, as far as getting into other people's lives and helping people to make that connection, just asking questions. Hey, how, how are you? How's life really going? How's marriage? How's parenting? Uh, how, how's your job? You feel like, are you happy with you know, your spiritual life? And, and just sharing about your own life. Let me share with you what I know, what I've seen. Not that we're know-it-alls or that we have all the answers, but just... You know, through questions, you can kind of just talk about real things. I appreciate Marco Pelzeri. He's such a great question asker. You know, I, lo- I love, you know, meeting people together or, or being in conversation with him with somebody who's new to church or somebody who we just met, you know. And he, he's just so good at asking questions. And I try to think, what would Marco ask? You know, as far as just getting into a great talks with people. And Philip does that. He asks these questions. And it ends up being a situation where, uh, the eunuch says, come on up, come into my chariot. And he probably had a really sweet ride because he was, you know, one of the top guys in this country. And Ethiopia was very powerful at this time, a very powerful nation, and he's one of the top guys. So, you know, Philip's probably feeling pretty good. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you know, Michael Jackson rolls down in the limo, you know, rolls down the, 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 the window and, oh, come on inside and talk to me. Oh, okay, sweet. You know, he kind of climbs on into the limo with, with this big, big, big cheese, you know. But, but he explains the scripture to him, and that's really where transformation takes place, is when you get into the Bible one-on-one. You know, it's kind of like uh, in that Matrix clip we saw where he said, no one can tell you about the Matrix, you've got to see it for yourself. And that's the way the Bible is, you've got to really experience it for yourself. And so what we do in our church is we just, we get the Bible, you know, go to Starbucks usually, maybe a, a Starbucks... Uh, competitor like coffee bean 
And, you know, you just sit down with one or two or three people and you just open the Bible and you read passages and you talk about it. It's not that, um, you know, it's not that brilliant, but it's amazing what happens when you just open the Bible and talk about it. That's where you really get transformed. That's where you really see the truth. That's how you log in. That's how you get online with God and His plan is through His Word. And it's, it's not just on your own even. I, you know, I appreciate how this guy was reading on his own. But he, he still didn't make the connection. You really need other people in that dynamic, I feel like. That's how God works, just like in this story. I know myself, I knew the Bible, I, I, I had read the Bible, I grew up religious, but I didn't really change until I had word with friends. As we're together talking about the Bible and really wrestling with scriptures. And uh, let's look at the scripture that he's, uh, he's looking at on Isaiah 53. You can turn there in your Bible. I'm going to put it on screen. It's going to be kind of small, so you might want to turn there in your Bible. But this is the passage, and this is a prophecy about Jesus. And it's really interesting. He was, if you, you can tell from the, the, the way this is recorded here in Acts that he was reading the Septuagint, which is a, a translation into Greek. It was made a couple hundred years before Jesus. It's called the Septuagint because by le- legendarily they, they had 70 scholars that translated the Hebrew into Greek. And that's what he was reading. So he's reading this Greek text, and that was the, the Septuagint was what all the early Christians read from. And uh, he's reading Isaiah 53, and uh, if you look there in verse 4, it says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Skip down to verse 12. It says, And he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, this passage, if you ask... Anybody that's at all familiar, slightly familiar with Christianity, who who is this about? They'll say, it's about Jesus. It's interesting, even somebody who comes from a Jewish background, uh, I've heard stories of, you know, people ask him, who who is this about? Oh, that's about Jesus. You realize that's in the the Old Testament. You know, that's in the Torah. That's in the book of the, uh, it's, it's in your scriptures. And it's so amazing how it's so specifically fulfilled by Jesus. And we could get into a lot of the other specifics like how he died and, and the fact that you know, the, the passage says he would, be, he would be killed, but then it also says he will see the light of life and be satisfied. It, it says that he would have no descendants, and yet then it says he'll see his offspring. So there's all these kind of things that you read it, and, 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 and if you didn't know Jesus, you'd be like, I don't understand. It says he's going to die, but then it also says he's going to live. It says he's going to be cut off and have no descendants, but here it says he's going to have offspring. How, how does that work? Well, Jesus died, but then he rose again. He didn't have any physical offspring, but he had lots and lots of spiritual offspring. You know, you see it all perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. It's really amazing. Even the fact that he was, it says he would be uh, killed with the, have a, a grave among the rich and with the wicked. So he was killed with the wicked, one on his right, one on his left. But then he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Just it's really interesting all the stuff in this passage that was written 700 years before Jesus. So this is the passage that he's reading. And Philip, he's, his question is, who is this about? Is Isaiah talking about himself? Is he talking about someone else? This is confusing. 
And it is confusing until you understand Jesus. So it's so cool to me that Philip began with that very passage. And what does it say? Told him the good news about Jesus. And I think it's good for us to be reminded that Jesus is good news. This is good news. I think if we've been around the church for a, a while, uh, you know, sometimes we can kind of get numb to that. We forget what we've been forgiven of. We forget who we were without Jesus. We forget what good news it is. And sometimes we can feel like we're bothering people or we're trying to sell them something when we're talking about Jesus. No, Jesus is great news. Jesus is good news. Um, Last week we had the the big regional service and I was involved with putting all the music together for that. I'm usually uh, involved in the band and do the, the worship and stuff like that. And uh, Perry, who uh, plays the percussion back here, he couldn't be here uh, last Sunday. So he sent me an email saying, I can't, you know, he was scheduled to play percussion. He sent me an email saying, uh, I can't be there. Is it okay if I have uh, Jesus take my spot? And it was funny because over email, if you read it, it looks like I'm not going to be there, so can I have Jesus take my spot? <laughs> and and uh, so I emailed back, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of a, a perfect one sentence for the whole Christian faith. You know, Jesus, take my spot. And that's really the truth. I mean, I deserve to go to hell because of my sin. I mean, I knew certain things were wrong, and yet I, I walked into there. I was, this, the Bible here calls it transgressors. I, I, I had willful, deliberate sin that I felt so trapped in. I remember feeling like, I know this is wrong, but I can't change it. I know this is wrong. I'm never going to do it again. And then do it again. And then do it again. And then after a while, you know, at first your heart is soft. And you feel guilty. And then after a while you just harden your heart. Well, everybody's like this. And you just harden your heart and you try not to feel anymore. But you do feel. And you feel enslaved. I remember feeling enslaved. Not like that Matrix clip. You are a slave, Neo. And, and that's who I was without God. I was enslaved to my own selfish ambition. I was enslaved to my own pride. I was enslaved to my own lust, to my own impurity, to my own uh, just being consumed with what people thought of me. Just all of these things that I felt like I wanted to change, but I could not change. I couldn't stop. And yet here it says in this passage, in verse 5, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His wounds we are healed. That's what the cross is, is Jesus took our place. Jesus took our spot. That, that punishment allows us to be completely forgiven, completely wiped clean, a, a complete fresh start. When we turn to Him and follow Him and give up, you know, surrender and say, I'm going to follow you, all of our past is wiped away and we can, we can stand before God with a clear conscience. That's amazing and it's good news. Amen? I, I remember just being so impacted by that. And if you're visiting with us, just I want you to hear this, that Jesus is what you're looking for. There's so much false religion out there and there's so much hypocrisy out there that Jesus gets a bad name. And again, that's part of that global network. That's part of that world struggle going on. That I believe Satan wants to try to make Jesus look like something cheesy. He wants to make Christianity look like a hypocritical religion. There's all these horrible things that have been done in the name of Christianity. And so I believe that's of Satan because he wants to pollute the true message, which is such good news. 
that you and I can be forgiven, that you and I can be with God forever, that we can have eternal life. It's such good news. Jesus is the one thing that can meet your need. Jesus is the one thing that can fill that space in your, in your heart. There's no other solution to this problem of sin and suffering. Last point, are you online? Are you online? If you look here in, back in Acts 8, he told him that good news about Jesus, it says, in verse 35 and then verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Baptism, if you're visiting with us, is something you see in the, in the New Testament as this is the way people responded in the first century to the message of Christ. And what baptize means, it, it, it's the, the word means immerse. So they would be, be, it, it was a ceremony that already existed prior to Christianity, but it was a lead up to its true purpose, which was to participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So just like Jesus died and he was buried in the ground and he rose from the dead, Christians believe that as we go, you're immersed in water and you're, you're going down into the grave with Jesus. And then you come up out of the water and you're raised to a new life. And so that's the way that you participate in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the way you respond to his grace is by being baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 2.38. So all your sins are washed away, you get to live a new life, and you start over. And, and that's what the eunuch does, as we see in this passage. It's not being sprinkled, because if it would have said he, Philip sprinkled some water on him. You know, it's, it doesn't say that. It says they went down, what, into the water, and Philip baptized him. They went down into the water. Some people say, well, you know, why do you have to be baptized? You know, what if, what if, what if uh, somebody's in the desert? What if they're in the desert and they want to become a Christian? I say, well, you know what, that's interesting, because if you look earlier in this passage, it says, what kind of road were they on? The desert road. And, 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 and he gets to this point, he, it's not, a, it's not a, 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 an accident that he's reading that passage of Scripture, is it? It's not an accident that Philip happens to show up and show him what that Scripture means, is it? And I believe it's not an accident that he's ready to be baptized and, look, here's water. God, God's working, the Spirit makes connections, the Spirit works it out. And, and why did God choose water as the medium of of forgiveness and, and grace and salvation, well, a lot of the earth is covered with water. And we need water to survive. There's plenty of water going to be around. And, and if you want to become a Christian, God, this is the plan. And so what we do in our, in our church is we help people understand who God is, who Jesus is, what discipleship means, what it means to be their follow, His follower. And then they, they, they get baptized in His name for the forgiveness of their sins. And we do a lot of them at the beach. This is a picture of John Carter getting baptized. In 2011, John's there in the middle. You can tell he's excited because his sins have been forgiven. Steve Marici, I'm not sure what, what he's... He, he looks kind of like, oh, what did we just do? <laughs> I'm just kidding, John. He was probably washing the water off his hair, but it's funny. But I'm so thankful that John, John made this decision. That he got baptized, that he got online, that he and his wife Sylvia got baptized in 2011. And, and their life has been perfect ever since, right John and Sylvia? No, it's not. I mean, you're still, you've, you're in the struggle, you're in the battle. Now you're trying to stay, 
stay righteous and help other people along the way. And Sylvia's whole family's gotten baptized. All of her, you know, all of her family members and her parents, and you know, God's using them. But 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 the starting point is responding yourself. So if you're visiting with us, I want to encourage you to take the next step, whatever that is for you. If you know the Bible. Uh, then, then I encourage you to get together with us and, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about your own faith. Let's see how can we help you and your, take your next step with God. If you don't know the Bible at all, uh, let's, let's get together. Word with friends. Get the Bible open. Find out what the Scriptures have to say. Um, you know, it, it, this whole idea of are you online, it, it's not, we don't want it to be this thing of, hey, we're all online. We all got it. So are you? How about you? Are you online? <laughs> yeah. No, it's an offer. We want to we share with you what we've learned. We're a bunch of messed up sinners in this church. Can I get an amen to that? We are not like this perfect Ned Flanders people that are you know, just super spiritual and super religious. We are a mess. And we, but, but, we, but we found what we believe is the solution. We want to we help you. We want to help you take the next step. You know, in this church, I, I, I want us to be praying that we can see... Weekly baptisms. I really believe in a church this size, we could see every week somebody getting baptized. We're we're not quite there. We're almost there. But let's pray that the next year, the next couple years, we can see someone getting baptized every single week or restored to the faith. I I just got an email this morning from Calvin. Appreciate his heart. He's like, there's so many people who used to be part of the church who aren't anymore. Let's let's have an effective... and, and a structured outreach to those folks. Let's welcome them back. Let's invite them back into the family. Let's really be praying for them that every week we can see someone baptized or someone restored. Uh, if you're a, a part of this church, allow God to use you in the same way God used Philip. You know, open your spiritual antenna. Raise your spiritual antenna. What is God doing? How is the Spirit making connections? What does God want to do in my neighborhood, in my school, in my, uh, at my work? Who is it that's searching for God that, that, that I can connect to, just like uh, Philip connected with the Ethiopian eunuch? And, and what are the questions I can ask that will open that door, that will allow us to have a, a crucial conversation uh, when it comes to spiritual things? And Just open your mouth, make yourself available, and God will do all the rest. God's the one that does the work. And it, again, if you're a guest, uh, you're here, what does God want you to hear? I really encourage you to take the next step. Uh, word with friends, get the Bible open. Are you online today with what God is doing around the world and in your own life? Uh, Take the next step today and uncover His purpose for your life. Amen.